0: Fucking hell. What's happened to us, eh? We used to be somebody. Right.
1: His name is Craven, he likes white ravens, and he will always use them to reduce your gold. His name is Dave, he cancels saves, he likes to make the opposition have bad days. His name is Tom, he plays for fun, and if you beat him then he'll punch you in the face. It's the UK's fantastic podcast, this episode's the worst, so it's probably the last, we're unopposed to claim banter, it's Banter Behind the Throne.
0: Hello, good evening and welcome to episode 47 of Banter Behind the Throne. My name is Lowell Craven, I am the captain of your ship and joined tonight by my distinguished bosun, Mr Dave Bamford. Say hello Dave. Hello. It's just myself and Dave. We're running a very lean ship today. Uh, Peel has got lost somewhere in the rigging. Uh, we've sent someone to recover him, but they've been gone a while, so who knows what's happened there. Um, before we start, it's become almost customary to discuss a technical fuck up, and we've had yet another one this week. Uh, we recorded as normal uh, a day ago, and uh, it all got it was all fine until the very end when the upload failed on Dave's audio, leaving us with a uh, episode which. Really, we couldn't put out. So we're going to try and emulate as much as we possibly can um, from last night, but with 50% of the guests, because we were joined yesterday by Waffle. Um, Many of you may know Waffle, some of you may not, but you will definitely know his voice because he sings our intro tune. Uh, Waffle was a a first edition player of, I would say, some renown. If he was a card, he would have been a first edition card, probably uh, the champion card former champion (laughs) Well, I can't just see very often. It's got some very bizarre rules text, but it has renown. And that is kind of Waffle, in a nutshell. Um, The reason we got Waffle on was because he is a a, a quite experienced first edition player who, up until this point, hasn't really played second edition at all. So we had a a series of questions to ask him uh, to get his take on coming into the game now. Because a lot of first edition veterans have obviously been playing the game since it came out and have got used to the changes incrementally, whereas Waffle's had a long time out and was dropped in at the deep end. Waffle wasn't here, um, so my kind of dream of doing a parkinson, Parkinson-style parkinson interview is gone. But what we are going to do is I'm going to ask the questions and Dave is going re- <laughs> to answer them in the best possible way um, based on what Waffle said yesterday. So we'll get to that in a little while. But before we go any further, um, Dave has a tournament to talk about. He went to the Manchester regional. Um, so Dave, take it away. What happened there?
2: Yeah. Uh, I went to the Manchester regional. Of course I, I took waffle with me. Um, the reason he did play this weekend. Um, <clears throat> I wasn't really sure what to play. I, w- I didn't want to play Martel or Lannister or, you know, any- anything, you know, that I've already played. Um, So I thought, I'll play some Night's Watch. Uh, I messaged Joe from Cincinnati, said, what's the best Night's Watch deck? Is there one that's actually good, or are you just having this on? Um, And he didn't get back to me until yesterday. So I didn't play Night's Watch in the end. Um, I net decked a Stark deck the day before. Played against Waffle a couple of times, gradually reminding him how to play Thrones and uh, uh, of the the new differences that there are. Um, And it, it seemed to go all right. Uh, as people are aware, I don't really like Stark as a house very much thematically, mechanically, or anything. Um, but they have some cards which I really enjoy. Uh, Caitlyn and Winterfell are really, really useful in a meta that's dominated by Miri. And uh, there's a lot of tears going around, a lot of Gaston Grey. Those two cards are absolutely clutch in stopping them. Even if they don't affect them on a first nerve winter turn. You you know, when you need them, Even if Winterfell doesn't help on a first nerve winter turn. Um, so I played a very uh, a very power power challenge based Stark build. Um, a reasonable amount of renown in there. There was what eight cards with renown. Um, obviously, the denial. Uh, the only events were nightmares. Basically, only military challenged. If I could get you know kill something really good or ice something, um, or you know just get a draw off the Blackfish without hampering my other challenges. It was very much a uh, a power challenge based deck which is you know my preferred style of play uh military is my my least favored challenge um so i rocked up at just after 10 uh unfortunately the tournament started at 10 and i wasn't aware i thought it was 11 uh but they were running a bit late so i uh i registered i assured the to that my deck was legal and that i don't need to give a deck list in uh counted my neutral cards that was fine i think i was on about 10 that's fine um Counted the cards of my actual deck and got to 55, which was a bit of a minor issue. Um, So we looked at Waffle's deck, realized he had two of my milks. Don't know what happened to the third copy. Um, And then I wasn't really sure what I was missing from the rest of it. It looked like most of my major pieces were there. My economy was there, my event package was there, all my big boys were there. My chud reducers were there. So I assume it's just something miscellaneous from the mid-range. But... Uh, luckily Wama had a, uh, had a Stark deck lying around, so I just took three cards from him, I think, a Summer, a Nymeria, and a Grey and Dupe, uh, and Summer was really, really useful, so cheers for that, Wama, uh, and the other two weren't, weren't half bad either.
0: Um... Were you running Summer anyway?
2: No, I wasn't.
0: Um... Okay, it, interesting.
2: Yeah, I think the deck should be running Summer. Summer is really, really, really good, um... And uh, I don't know why it wasn't, but I took it as, you know, somebody has played this deck, and I think it won Tulsa or something like that. I figured it's clearly been, you know, refined enough that they've made a conscious decision not to include Summer. So I won't change it because I only had about three games to play before going. And then, you know, when Whammer gave me the cards, it was the first three cards I knew definitely weren't in my deck. Um, So I was like, there's Summer, I know he's not on my deck, therefore he will never be a dead card. Like, yeah, I know he's not a second copy and, uh, I know I won't be going to like four copies of an non-unique or something, so have some, uh, yeah, and I did it that way. Um, yeah, he was, he was brilliant and I, I, you know, I would definitely take him again if I was going to rerun the deck. Okay. Um.
0: I kind of get the impression with Starkfield to the sort of popular current build of it, that once you've got your three Winterfell's in, your free cats, free brain, probably free Nightmares, um, you can kind of take it anywhere you want from there, can't you? I mean, that's the core of the popular build, isn't it? That whole denial thing is what's making it so successful.
2: I, I ran two nightmares and two milk. Um, yeah. I think the original build ran three milks and two nightmares. Um, but yeah, a third nightmare I wouldn't have gone to miss. It was it was brilliant all day long. Um, despite you know we raved about it when it was on when it was first sport again, and uh, just say, you know this card will be brilliant and it will be in decks for ages and even when there's a massive card pool. Uh, it will always be, like, you know, contender for the last few slots in your deck. Um, and you'll never be sad to draw it. And I, even with the gold restriction, I'm still shocked at how right we were, like, not to blow our own horns too much or anything. But, like, it's even better than I thought it would be.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. So, I love it. I yeah. absolutely love it. Um, it's going in every deck I'm building at the moment, and like, I have to really, really be pushed into cutting it, because it's so versatile.
2: It is. It is. I mean, with so much attachment hate, it's... You only expect your Milk of the Poppy to stay around for one turn or so anyway. So from that perspective, it's it's just a better version of Milk. At least the first time you see it. Um, and yeah, and the fact that it hits uh, Gaston and Winterfell and all that other stuff is just gravy. Um, yeah, I, I, I won't leave home without it for the next, uh, next couple of tournaments, I don't think. Uh, yeah, so first up, I played Percy. He was playing a Tyrell, a Tyrell Sun deck. Um, he varished me twice, which was a bit sad, but I just had, I managed to have the dominance from quite a, quite an early stage, so I still managed to win that. Um, I played against Keb, and uh, an, an early ice on her Barry, um, who was the, mo- the only real issue at the time, uh, was good. Uh, I know at one point she made a mistake by military to me when she thought she had milked Rob, but she had milked John. Um, So all my blokes stood up, and then that was kind of sad for her. She never saw Stannis, so I wasn't under a a massive amount of pressure. I had enough, you know, good blokes, just that whatever you kneel, it doesn't matter. Um, Round three, uh, I played a reasonably new player from Manchester, whose name I forget, but she was playing uh, Manchester... Manchester? Martel Lyon. Um, She saw an early Gaston, but I just didn't care, because I only care about panel challenges, and I have cat um, so every single turn I would be power challenging with cat and renowned characters and then I would be using winterfell on the entry challenge when she attacked to ensure he, she can tears me and then um, I you know just ground out I win that way uh, Round four I played against wedge who is playing a Mar- Martell martel rose and um, I, I I've seen you know I, I'm two I was two one against going in, in 2nd edition. So I seemed to have the slight upper hand, uh, which was nice. Um, and then I saw a Milk turn 1 for Ariane, which was really nice. And then he confiscated turn 2, and I played Nightmares on the 2nd round. So that really, really um, you know, broke his tempo, uh, having Ariane blank like that. Because it was clear that you know she was a big part of his game plan, needing to bring in Aemiru or something. Um, he opened with first Snow, and because I could is Arianne that really really hurt because he lost something fairly decent to military claim turn one um, yeah so in the final round I was four and four and four0 and going into the final round uh, you know next to certain to make the cut played against Wama, uh, it went really really well uh, for about five turns and then he varrest me and I was sad um, I lost all my blokes couldn't really bring it back after that Um, so he went into the cut at number two and I went in at number seven. So we got to play again in the top eight. Uh, I dropped a reasonably sized board turn one, including, including cat. Um, uh, then I I hummed and hard over what to do before passing. I I popped my King's Road, played out Septimordain. So, uh, would be safe from first snow the following round. I mean, I could have waited, which I should have waited because, uh, even though I, I, uh, Nightmares to his Arbor before he counted gold. He much moored into a King's Road. Played a Varys and then wiped my board. And it was really tough um, coming back from that because uh, he managed to um, viperize my ward out of my hand, and then I had no characters or ward left after I think after his injury challenge. So I was just you know top de- trying to top deck characters and summons for characters and building orders to get. King's Roads, just to make sure that there were more characters in my deck to draw um, and that kind of thing. Really scrappy. And I mean, I gave him a good run for his money. I still got like 10 or 11 power or something with a, a pretty decent board at the end. Um, but it just wasn't enough. It was just not quite fast enough. And at the end, he dropped three or Lena's informants in one turn. And that's really difficult to deal with.
0: How are you finding um, Ward, having played it? Uh,
2: so it was really, really good in my Martel deck. I played it three times. Uh, and the reason it was so good is because I was running March to the Wall. Uh, and Wildfire. So I would ward something, and if it survived to the plot phase, you know I would have been playing with that plot in mind. I almost always had a method of killing that character and potentially harming their board as well. So I wouldn't worry about confiscation. In, I would only had one copy in the Stark Fealty deck, where it is... It's not loyal, so it's a, it can be quite hard to play in that deck. Um, and it also, uh, whereas in Martel, you can often afford the tempo play because you have a lot of control elements. Um, in Stark, I felt I, I more, like, more often wanted to play Ice or, um, or characters. Uh, I only ran one copy, so I didn't see it that often, but it never really had much of an impact for me in that deck. Now if I'd had, had run more copies it, it would have been better. But I know there's a lot of pl- players playing around it. Um so, you know, either either in their deck building or just in general play when they're playing in stuck so it is less useful. Gone.
0: I've certainly gone off it. I was quite panicked about it when I saw it. And I do definitely take it into a, a lot of consideration when deck building now perhaps Perhaps too much, to be perfectly honest. But, um, I've used it in the in the Lanny, um, Wolf deck that I gave you to the side. It, it made its way into that. And it's okay in that, because I've got a lot of money kicking about, but in the few brief games I've played with a Stark Filty deck, I find that it's just... I just find it a bit too expensive. I know it's, it's useful, but, um... Yeah, you mentioned it. Ice is a really expensive non-character attachment already. Um... It comes to point where you need to really think about your board position, like on a permanent level. Um, because if you aren't following up that ward with something to get rid of that character, there's a good chance you're going to lose them anyway. Um, so I'm not, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying it's a bad card, but for me personally, I've, I've definitely gone off it a lot.
2: I think if you're running Marched, great. Um, and if you've got Jon Snow, it's also fantastic because they gain the Stark affiliation. So you can sack them in the challenges phase to do whatever or if they're low strength you can always um, kill them with Grey Wind to trigger Rob so there is like synergy there but uh I'm not sure I'd run it as a three of in, in mains dark I think I feel like it's more of a banner card I mean you can reduce it with the uh you know the in-house zero cost reducer so there is there yeah, is the what making
0: of it whatever it
2: is yeah fell Heart Tree or Woodfell Grove or something like that mm. That thing, yeah, the great keep. Yeah. Great keep. Um, that bloody thing. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I, I like it, but it, it's not as good as it, I thought it was when I first saw it, I agree. Um, and I definitely found it more useful in that Martell deck than I did in... Because of all the plots to leverage its thing. Because there's first snow yeah. in there as well, of course. Um, so stealing a Forecaster on a first snow turn is, is much more useful than a um, Four coster in any other turn and then you've got the plots to capitalise on it later as well so yeah um, one more point from the Manchester Regional was that I watched Whammer in top four and uh, he drew his set up hand looked at it, mulled, o- mulled over it for a few minutes and decided not to mulligan then proceeded to make a one card setup of just the Arbour and then proceeded to
0: play but it is mm. yeah no, that
2: says it all. It is. Well, yeah, exactly. Just, you know, he's such a solid player. And that's the kind of decision that is really, really difficult to make. You know, are these non setup cards, essentially, like, you know, I think the Night of Flowers is in there, or like Syria or something, um, are they important enough to take this setup, bearing in mind you have the Arbour? And, uh, you know, depending on the matchup, often it is. Uh, that. Arbor was just money all day. I saw him, you know, he would use Bear and the Maiden Fair to filter his draw, and because of the Arbor, he would be able to afford exactly, you know, both of those characters exactly. Um, that kind of thing. And uh, yeah, it's just that last kind of thing, you know, sorts the men from the boys, uh, choosing to take a really, you know, allegedly subpar setup. Purely on the econ basis. Uh, so that's pretty crazy he went on to uh, play in the final as well and lost to Evan who was playing Stark Fealty
0: Evan's becoming my go-to person when people say who's the best player in the country oh really yeah he doesn't often get mentioned does he I mean a lot of people will say people like like Wedge or, or yourself you know rightfully so but if you look at Evan's track record over this competitive season not even just in this game it's really quite impressive
2: that's his second regional final for Thrones, certainly.
0: And he won Netrunner.
2: And he won Netrunner. Yeah. So not bad at all.
0: So no, not too shabby. Um, obviously, wonderful beard, and has replaced me in your life in an away trip as well. So he's really got it all going for him at the moment.
2: <laughs> this is true. It was lovely, uh, lovely staying in a room with Evan over over Dockside. I mean, he was no you, but...
0: Did he follow the instructions out of interest?
2: Uh, which instructions in particular?
0: Well, about, you know, we, had, we gave him a little um, rundown of how to behave like me. So, I mean, did he fulfil your, your needs?
2: He, he certainly was protective enough of, uh, you know, the younger and the, uh, the weedier members of the troop that he, he certainly had, like, he seemed like he had the bodyguard that rolled down pat, even though it never came to it, which is good. Um, I don't think he followed your drinking instructions, though. He was a bit avant-garde in that respect, which is a bit of a shame.
0: Well, that's fine. My, my drinking sort of habits are slightly off base anyway, I guess, considering how much <laughs> you guys all tend to neck before tournaments, so that's fine. <laughs> okay, well, obviously, um, just on the subject of it, Arbor... Um, we discussed this yesterday. Um, we'll discuss it again now. It seems like a relevant time to mention it before we get onto the sort of waffle interview. Um, location control. Now, a lot of people say that the game has become very removal focused. And when they talk about removal, we are talking really about put to the sword and tears, or, you know, the equivalents or things that get removal in, in a sneaky way. So, Miri or. Um, Tyne or whatever, um, but people really don't tend to be discussing that often, or even playing at all. If you if you search for some of if you search for put to the torch on Thrones DB, not many of the current decks or tournament tournament winning ones will will be returned in that search. Um, is it about time we started seriously considering that?
2: I think there is a place for location hate in this current matter. Um, not necessarily, you know, the semi-auto include Newly Made Lord or you know Frozen Solid, but the four-cost locations are scary enough at the moment that I think it is worth including something to deal with locations if you need it. Now, Nightmares can flex into that slot, yes. So a lot of decks are running it, but I agree that I think there is a place for you know one or two copies of Put to the Sword and uh, Put to the Torch in a deck that can reliably trigger it. Because, um, you know, a turn one arbor is a real issue. Uh, the wall, it can be a real issue. And a lot of, you know, players won't defend the military challenges by five. Uh, especially if you only have one gold left. Because, you know, what are you going to kill in? Nights nice watch, like, kill Benjen. Okay, sure, no worries. Um, so short of losing the old bear, it's not an issue. They won't defend it. Hopefully you can chuck, chuck something at the wall. Um, and, of course, uh, Winterfell is a massive issue at the moment. So, if you're forcing them to use Winterfell on the military challenge, or over defending to save Winterfell from put to the torch, great, because that just allows you way more freedom in your other two challenges, the more important challenges. Um, so, I think I think there is a place for that, definitely.
0: Yeah, good. Yeah, me too.
2: I want to I want to have a play around with it, see uh, see what I can do. I think I might include it in my next deck, uh, depending on what I play. Of course, we'll see if I uh, end up playing that Night's Watch deck I was discussing. So. <laughs>
0: Well, yeah, I mean, I hope you do give Night's Watch a blast, because common consensus is that they've been completely fucked by First Snow, and who'd touch them now? But I, well, I don't think the common consensus is always correct. There's a lot of experts out there who are self-appointed, and including ourselves, so you shouldn't listen to everyone. <laughs> give it a go.
2: You should always listen to us. Well, we don't, yeah, but not everyone us.
0: Else. But, I mean, none of these other suckers. Okay, yeah. right, so, um, now we're going to enter the awkward, weird interview segment of the show, um, where you're going to take on the role of Waffle, and we, um, well, I'm going to ask you questions, and you're going to re- repeat what Waffle said or as, as close as you possibly can. Uh, the problem being, of course, <laughs> is after doing yesterday's show, I screwed up my list of questions, and they've gone, so I'm going to have to also try and remember what I said. <laughs> this is bollocks, isn't it? I mean, Christ almighty. Um... <laughs> So, um, Dave Slash Waffle. We can yes. well, obviously we can skip the whole drama of who's introducing who, which probably was the best part of <laughs> yesterday's show. To be fair, um, okay, that was <laughs> that was the best bit. Um, I can't remember what I said to him now. Um, oh, that was it? Having got into the, having sort of started playing on Saturday um, for the first time since the game changed. Um, what were the biggest changes that you noticed? So off you go, Dave. What did Waffle say when I asked him that question?
2: So he didn't exactly mention this, but on um, on Friday he played. <laughs> <you're>
0: paraphrasing.
2: <laughs> he played Robert Baratheon for the first time, and I said, "How do you feel about that?" And he said, "Playing seven gold is wrong," and I agree. <laughs> It was just like an affront to nature that something might cost so much um and be in a regular deck uh but he did say yesterday that his, his the biggest change um, for him was reserve he thought that was the most uh shocking change didn't he um because having played a lot of lannister he did in say edition, that yeah and... yeah he played a lot of lannister in first edition um and in melee he played a lot of martel and uh, for those who know him, on a European basis, you may remember him from the top 16 of the melee a couple of years ago at Starlet, where he popped down three conclaves in one turn and caused chaos, essentially. Um,
0: that picture is available on request.
2: Yeah. Uh, he's used to having a fistful of cards and then you know going from there uh, and leveraging the long game, and that's a lot more difficult to do with the reserve. Um and I haven't really had to think about it in, in the past because, you know, at the moment, we, uh, we've we been playing more aggro-y decks, even if they've got control elements. Like, you know, it, there's been more, less, like, long-term planning, keeping your cards back, than there has perhaps been in certain first edition decks. Uh, but it's only going to become more pronounced go- going further when, you know, Valor comes out and, uh, like, Nice Hill gets reprinted and all those kind of things that are going to encourage uh, long game plays uh and reserves going to become all that much more important and it's going to be really really weird because i'm not sure i like it i agree with waffle
0: yeah it's funny you should say that because i often um completely forget about it i'm I'm still not really taking it into account and uh, it happened today i flipped a plot and i had my octagon league game today um i opened with sneak attack which i haven't done for a long time and um it was only when sort of my opponent said to me Oh, Reserve. I thought, oh fuck! Like that's got a reserve of five. Jesus Christ! That's why I don't normally open with it. Um, and I had to pitch cards to it, and I, I just completely overlook it. Still, completely and utterly.
2: Yeah, I mean, for a long time there's been you know months where I haven't haven't had to ditch anything to reserve, and then sometimes it really really hurts. But the uh, you know it's only going to become more of an issue going forward for mm. being used to having big. Although being a gradual player it shouldn't affect you really, right?
0: Well, I mean if you say that, I'm not a Greyjoy player anymore. I'm I'm kind of I'm I'm in exile from the Iron Islands because I just I can't get on the grade at the moment. I just don't don't enjoy playing them whatsoever. Free agent. But I do wonder, and now you mentioned it, will we ever see any more tech which fucks around with the reserve value? We've we've got two cards currently with do it, don't we? Alanis and um Wraiths in their midst. Mm. It's an interesting kind of angle to take. I would like to see some more stuff that manipulated that value.
2: There's the, the positive ones as well. There's Sam and the Iron Throne and the Rookery. They all add to your reserve. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see a, a constant modifier, like a minus one reserve card that you can uh, you can attach to, say, your opponent's house card or a location or something.
0: Yeah, that'd be interesting.
2: That's quite, a, quite an interesting thing. That would really push... Yeah. Uh, you know, a different way of pushing the the intrigue might of, say, Lannister, um, you know, n- not just punishing the cards they've got in their hand, but ensuring they can't recover so well in the future. Be quite an interesting route to go down, perhaps.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's good. Hmm, Interesting. We'll have to wait and see. Um, okay, so that was what Waffle identified us for the changes he's, he'd found, um... Of the changes that he, he came across, then, what, what did Waffle say was the thing he actually liked about the, uh, the new new world order?
2: He was loving the fact that eight go- you had eight gold on setup. It made him feel as rich as the Lannister, even though he wasn't playing Lannister. Um, for those who aren't aware, it was five gold in first edition. And even though the curve has been increased. Um, some setups feel like you get a lot of value for your money. If you see a couple of chuds, you're, just, you're absolutely laughing, like, even though there's no zero-costers anymore. Um, and so there, there can be God, those... Can you, you imagine think, if there was? Oh, oh, you know, a few refugees be lovely. But chuds, they don't matter when you got a Valor. So, uh, okay, yeah,
0: sure. Um,
2: so I was going to say, he also loved the fact that Valor isn't back yet, because he felt safe at all times like he knew as long as he played his challenges face correctly, his, his main characters were safe. He, did, he didn't, he just knew he didn't have to play too many chuds, which he was used to doing cause of valor. So he couldn't get first snowed. He wouldn't want to play too many forecast or hires at once because he got wildfired. But broadly, he was happy that, you know, his key characters were safe and he was a player that wasn't a massive fan of valor in first edition anyway. Um, I remember the first time he ever saw it. I think we played two games, and about halfway of the second game, I said, oh, by the way, there's this plot called Valor. And I showed it to him, and he goes, wow, that's insane. Who would play that? I was like, I don't know. It seems terrible. Um, but I had been reading up online that apparently it was really good. So I slid it into my plot, plot deck in the third game, and yes, it was really good. <laughs> when your opponent isn't expecting it, and you are. Uh, and uh, Waffle cursed me out, something rotten, and Dad walked in and was just like, what the hell is going on? Our oh, Waffle's just really angry, really salty that he wasn't <laughs> expecting Valor. Dad was just like, well, it serves him right. <laughs> so uh, Waffle's had a bit of a, you know, a mixed relationship with that card since the beginning.
0: <laughs> okay, fair enough. Um, so we, we, we then sort of kind of covered what Waffle disliked the most of the changes he'd found. And then, obviously, we've already covered that. It was kind of reserve um, was the thing that bothered him the most. Um So we then we went into a discussion about how Waffle feels about the kind of change in the way the houses present themselves now, because there has been some change um, across the board. I mean, Baratheon are now the the house most associated with Neil, whereas before now Lannister were. Um, And part of that question was also discussing how Waffle feels about the introduction of two whole new factions and what they bring to the table. So, yeah, what did he have to say about that?
2: So, uh, Baratheon is the key example, I think, because that's the deck I gave to him. I gave him uh, barra Kraken, which I had built. He played a game or two with that, and then um, he said, uh, like, what What else is there? What can I play? And so I said, right, you can have this banner for this, or this banner for this, or this banner for this, and he said, yep, banner sun, icon control's good. And he immediately, as soon as he played Nymeria, half through the challenges phase, he was in love. Like, you know, that's the deck for him for now. Um, but the reason he I gave him Barra initially is because Waffle is yeah, an old-school Lannister player. He's been playing Lanny Neal at, you know, a good 70-75% of tournaments he's been to for the last three or four years. Um, and he when he wasn't playing Lannister Neal, a good amount of those games were with Barra. So, much like Keb, the marriage of, you know, one of his favourite themes uh, from the cards and one of the favourite themes from the books and the houses he likes, merged together brilliant. And again, the... Uh, the fact that Barra have the best draw engine in the house, in the game, he loves that because Lannister had the best draw engines in 1st edition. Um, and they also have an emphasis on power challenges, which Waffle was always a big fan of in um, in 1st edition. He liked the fact that Barra were emphasising the power challenge. You know, that's the one that wins you the game. Um, Newhouse-wise, he played briefly against my uh, a Night's nice Watch deck I had built um, from a long time ago. It's been built since before First Snow came out. And... Uh, it was uh, he, he. He he said he wasn't a massive fan of them. You know, from what he saw, because it seems like a very a very one sided strategy. Because you know, I got the wall turned to. I played the wall, and then I was playing around the wall for the entire game. And uh, you know, he didn't seem too enthused about them. Uh, you know, it, there's not always that much interactivity with the Night's Watch. Uh, he was getting out, uh, but again, he hasn't seen the whole breadth of their card pool. He hasn't experienced you know the Night's Watch Varis deck with. Yorin and he hasn't seen how good their draw is and um, all these other things that will become more apparent as the Night's Watch pool deepens or more accurately when I play a different Night's Watch deck that isn't a wall deck uh, so although they are fairly one dimensional at the moment they have got these other themes that should hopefully be developed uh, in the future and they won't be quite so boring for him. Um, on the other hand he was really enthused about Tyrell um he's you know no stranger to playing Tyrell cards out like of Lannister and Baratheon in 1st edition and uh and so the opportunity to play them in their own house, he seems to like. He didn't see much. He saw the Knight of Flowers, who's you know a poor man's Knight of Flowers from the first edition. Uh, he, he saw Stanley Randy and Marge. Um, and left and right caused him hassle in that wall deck. Uh, he hasn't seen a lot of cards, but he's seen a few, and he's seen the Arbor. Um, and so he's enthused to try them out. And I think he said that the next deck he builds, um, assuming he has longer than you know a night, if he has a couple of play sessions to get used to something before he can take it to tournament he'll be playing Tyrell or some sort of uh, Banner Rose. So, yeah, I like that. I like that he's jumping Overall, straight into pretty it. Happy. Yeah, I think so, yeah. Um, and a lot of the other houses, their mechanics haven't changed too much, so...
0: No, I think Barrow is the big one, isn't it? Yeah, okay, sure. So then we went on to ask Waffle if he feels that um, people who are completely fresh to the game have got it easier... Because, obviously, they don't have to unlearn anything. They're just coming in from scratch. Or do people from first edition, despite having to relearn some key mechanics, have an advantage because they kind of know the ebb and flow of the game? I mean, for my money, that's a fairly obvious answer. And, I mean, Waffle didn't didn't actually uh, say anything unexpected, but it's sometimes it is worth asking because we have had some new players come into the game from completely new games uh, who have done very, very well. Um... So there is something to it. But yeah, I mean Waffle pretty much said that if you're a first edition player you have got that, that extra edge, haven't you?
2: Yeah, I mean, pretty much all the games he played were either very close or um or he won. So like, you know, straight away he's just like, I know what these challenges do, I know how to leverage, you know, card advantage and board advantage and all these things. I know how to play around the reset, which is the the clutch thing for me is knowing what resets are available and playing around them. And if you could play around it's it's always been the same since, you know, started first edition. Play around the reset, you win the game.
0: Yeah, absolutely. In my
2: experience a lot. Um, which is what new players are often struggling with. You can see them I've seen people, you know, open long plan go straight into First Nerve Winter and you think, No, you definitely should have shouldn't have played First Nerve Winter. That was your plan. But the board doesn't dictate that. So you know, you got to be, you got to play around. That you have got to be careful. Um, so yeah, he did say he, he agreed that uh, first edition players have the advantage, as is right.
0: Yes, we are better than you. <laughs> Sorry, don't worry about it. Um, okay, and that kind of brings to an end this weird, obscure interview with someone who's not in the room. Um, there wasn't a lot more that we discussed, which is is kind of relevant. Um, so. Yeah, that was Waffle's Taken He definitely enjoyed himself, didn't he?
2: He did, yeah, yeah. He seemed to have a great time. Um, and obviously, he hasn't seen anyone in the community for since Starlex. So, uh, seeing, you know, all the people from all over that he had missed. He had missed Mate, M- 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 obviously. He had missed Whammer considerably. Um, and, uh, yeah, seeing them all for the first time in six months, he enjoyed. And we had a fantastic night a- afterwards in Manchester, as is tradition. So, yeah we will do again.
0: Excellent news. Okay, great. Um, So that leaves us, I mean, it's it's a fairly short one this week, not only because we are recording for the second time in two days, but also because we haven't got a great deal going on at the moment. But what is going on, uh, we've got two very exciting things coming up. The first thing that's coming up is Blackwater Bay. So we're going to continue to push this until it actually happens. Um, So Blackwater is in two weeks' time, is that correct?
2: Yes! Uh, or is it three weeks? Uh, the there were two July. episodes after this. It's the ninth. So, two weeks this Saturday.
0: Two weeks yeah. this Saturday. How bloody exciting is that? Mm. Um, so, have you got anything you want to sort of drop in, Dave? Because you're kind of the, uh, the little finger of swag at the moment. You're holding the purse string. So, um, what have you got to entice people in with?
2: Yeah, I've been uh, helping to organise. If that's the word for it, uh, some of the swag and stuff for for Blackwater, and I'll admit we've not been very good at um, sharing it so far. But you may have seen the the playmat done by I would I would say our very old, own Glen Holman. Um, he's not our own, but he did the banter artwork. But the uh, he's done some playmat artwork, and that has uh, Renly's ghost as played by Garland and Tyrell. Uh, sorry, and Loris Tyrell riding in the Battle of Blackwater to smash all the uh, Stannis forces in a much heartbreaking scenario. Um, so that will be available to the playmat. There's uh, obviously top 16, uh, some random prizes throughout the day, and uh, people who do well in the side events on the Sunday will get that. There will be uh, a set of eight alt art house cards, um, and they will be depicting um, the men of Westeros. Uh, there were a couple of... Uh, you know, there's a bit of drama in the Facebook group and on Car Game DB, you know, it pops up every six months or so and has done for the last few years about the uh, the Spanish house cards from a couple of years ago, which are, you know, there's no two ways about it. They're objectifying the female characters. Now, whether you're okay with that, whether you like that or don't like that is not the issue. Like, you you can't really argue that they're not. Um, And so, of course, we wanted to objectify the male characters. But... There wasn't any way that we were just going to draw, like, sexy pictures of men. So they all have their own twist. Uh, And uh, hopefully you'll see them, and they should start going up, you know, ASAP. Hopefully there'll be one up in the next day or so. Hopefully, by the time you've listened to this, there will be one up on the Facebook page for people to see. Uh, There will also be the Banter Behind the Throne Don't Be a Dickhead prize sponsored by Banter Behind the Throne. Um, That will be available for everyone who finishes the Swiss rounds on Saturday... Uh, and it does not intentionally draw, and that will be a copy of Heads on Spikes, the plot, but with the artwork of us, the hosts. So if you just want to look at us looking very pained with our Heads on Spikes, then um, you can do so. I think I'm missing a jaw and have my eye eaten out, peel stars as glasses somehow, and you look remarkably pleased with yourself for someone who's got their head on a spike.
0: yeah i really like it so far i think it's an excellent (laughs) card so um yeah i think it's it's well worth coming just for that in my opinion but um
2: i I looked at it and i thought you know what craven looks a bit happy and then i thought about it and i think you know what people get so angry about this card but the fact that you're smiling on it just makes it so much better he's just like i'm going for it i'm gonna get tywin i'm gonna put his head (laughs) on the spike and he's gonna join me and we're gonna have a great old time (laughs)
0: i'm coming for you
2: yeah Uh, So there's that, and hopefully there'll be some more stuff on the Sunday, if we can get it finished in time, Um, particularly for the people who play uh, the first edition side events, there'll be a little something for you, if it's ready. Um, Some of this prize support will be available later because it's being put on by the podcast, rather than Blackwater, um, and there will be limited copies available at other tournaments later this year, um, and I'll be sure to give some to Whammer to give away at Gen Con. Um, But if you want to be certain of getting one, You've got to come along to Blackwater. Uh, so yeah, we're going to be going for a curry on the Friday night. I think the plan is to meet roughly seven o'clock on Brick Lane. The exact details to be confirmed on the day. Essentially, as soon as one of the hosts gets there, they will tell everyone where they are, and we can get there. Uh, hopefully, we won't be late like a couple of years ago, where I rocked up at you know half past eight, haven't been delayed by the trains, and I was the first Brit there. But, you know, I was like, I think that looks like Glazer, and all those other people look remarkably scandinavian so i'm gonna go with them uh, and i was luckily that luckily they were um so hopefully we are there on time this time go for a curry get a lovely deal go drinking come and play some joust go drinking play some more thrones so uh, what more can you want come along to blackwater bay 9th and 10th of july at dark sphere
0: london what a great plug
1: mm.
2: get it all carried away
0: So there we go, that's all the reasons to come to Blackwater, Um, the main one of course is a curry on the Friday, because that's probably the best bit out of all of it, Um, but more exciting than all of that is, we are approaching our one year anniversary of doing this show, Um, eagle-eyed viewers will recognise that if we do one a week, then episode 52 should represent our birthday, but we have had a one week holiday over Christmas and we have had one episode lost to the mists of time which brings out in fact we've had two episodes lost so that brings our one year anniversary down to episode 49 so we're very close to that Uh, we've got something very special planned Um, invites to our birthday party are going to be going out in the post to certain people so um yeah we hope you enjoy that when we do it Uh, it should be a lot of fun um And yeah, that's pretty much it for this week. It's a bit of a disjointed, weird one, um, because yet again, more technical problems. Um, We've been kind of plagued by these, haven't we, for the last month? It's been horrible. It's
2: been really bad, yeah. I mean, we've moved over some new recording software, because Skype has decided that it won't let us use third-party apps anymore. Um, And when this software works, it's fantastic. But it's been slightly more temperamental than I would like. But there you go.
0: Yeah, I'm not a big fan of it, so um, (laughs) anyone who is listening and is an expert in recording over Skype and knows how to do it now, do write in and let us know, because I want to go back to that, because we never had problems when we were using Uh, that.
2: That's not strictly true, we lost at least a couple of episodes at some point, and then we lost one more recently, which is why we had to move to this, because we lost one and then we never got anything working again. So yeah, we've lost at least three episodes. True, but that's
0: more down to the actual API fuck-up, though. Yeah, true. The program. Yeah, but in any case, I'd like to go back to that. Um, but yeah, that's kind of it for this week. Um, next week, we should have some a proper episode recorded on time. Um, and yeah, hang on. What episode is 48? 47. 47. I thought, moment there, I thought our birthday party was next week. No. I'm not ready. No. I haven't ordered the clowns. <laughs> um, so yeah, next week is a normal one. Um, I can tell you next week about my time at a tournament, because I'm going to one on Saturday for the first time in about... Oh, it feels like forever. It's got to be a good couple of months. Um, so, yeah, I can tell you all about what I did there, um, which will be fun and exciting. Um, but, yeah, that's it for us. So unless there's anything more from you, Dave, we're going to pitch into a sudden silence.
2: Uh, yeah, so obviously I went up to Manchester with Waffle this week. Uh, and afterwards, the reason you know we were together for the weekend... Was that we went on down to Exeter to see Elton John with uh, my family and Crocodile Hammers and his family, um, and it was uh, it was really brilliant. Elton is well worth watching for those who haven't seen him, um, and it was just it was just really nice. Like uh, you know, at one point, um, I turned to Waffle and I I was listening to one of the Elton songs and I just thought I'm pretty sure he just said, "I miss you, Valor and Waffle looks at me and he goes, "I miss you, Whammer."
1: Wammers flying tonight on a plane. He's been building with Drake And he's playing Tyrell Maid oh, and I can see Whammo waving goodbye Cause he's up to Gen Con Missing now I played Whammer, he's beaten me twice I love a good reset, yeah But turn one Barry say nice I might win Nationals as his absence is clutch But I'll miss Whammer Oh, I'll miss him so much Oh, oh, oh. Whamma My buddy Though you've won more Than me Can you still feel the pain When I call it Thinking three times One game Whamma How you cry Tears are so tasty, like when I used to play Bleed. I saw Wama play a tasty game And it was top for yeah, The atmosphere was aflame He only set up one lonely car It was the album not even Duke, this game would be hard. But he has that mustache. It was so heaven God